in Mind Matters with Sandy and Kathleen. Guess what we're going to talk about today, Sandy? I think that we're going to be talking about how not to create drama. Drama. Are you a drama queen or a drama king? Because it goes both ways. Men can do it too. It's not just women. Though women seem to do more of it. You agree? Well, it's usually called something else when it's a bloke. They don't normally say you're a drama king. They normally say, oh, Dizzy makes, you know, bloody mountain out of a molehill. You know, everything right. is, right, one of my favourite words, and I know that you've heard me use it on the odd occasion, is catastrophisation. Oh, catastrophisation. See, I know somebody <clears throat> in my life who can find a problem for every solution. So he can create drama out of nothing, everything, mountains out of molehills. So we thought we'd have a bit of a chat about that today yeah. and, um, and talk about how to recognise if that's what you're doing. Yeah, because often you don't realise that you're doing it. It's very true. And sometimes you will <laughs> recognise the people in your life that do do it and then how to deal with those people as well. <laughs> so anyone that's got a Facebook account or on social media in general will know that everybody, everybody has a drama queen. We all have them. And they'll be the person that um, I'm going to out a few of you because some people are going to hear this and say, oh, I do that. But it's, it's attention-seeking. And it creates that air of drama. So people that check into a hospital and don't say why they're there and just say, we're here again. Mm. Or they say, I'm sick of this, sad face, and no other explanation. And what follows on is people underneath saying, oh, what's wrong? What's wrong? What happened? Are you all right? I hope everybody's okay. It's creating drama. Go, go this, the pretty girl that goes, oh, I look terrible. Oh. I don't I know. know about my new hair. I had my hair done. I don't know about this colour, question mark. And what does that do? It brings on all sorts of, of conversation. Yeah, and, like, we're not talking about the people that, um, you know, have obviously body or body dysmorphia or something like that. We're actually talking about perhaps why we create drama and recognising the drama queen because sometimes it's useful. Hmm. Um, but we won't go there. Because no, we won't go there. We'll we don't go want to talk to about the usefulness no, of drama. We'll go, we'll go to the non-useful part of drama. drama. <laughs> so when you've got an issue, what do you do that doesn't create drama? And also to recognise people in your life that do create drama because we see it, we have clients come through here that are deal that they might be here not because they specifically have an issue but they're having issues with their interpersonal relationships and dealing with somebody else in their life that always creates a problem for every solution. How do you recognise if you've got someone in your life that creates drama? The one that's often stirring the pot, you would say, the one that goes, no, we can't do it that way, it needs to be done this way, or they'll find that you can't, there's always the can't, can't yeah. do this. It has. You won't be able to, you know, or they ramp it up where... What about me? Yeah, Why does anybody about think me? about me? What the about me, me, me? Yeah. Yes, the attention seeking. Mm. So, you know, do you, how do you move away from drama? You, you can give people a certain amount of leeway. You can warn them as well. Not, not say to them, you're a drama queen, you're creating drama. But you can say to people, I would like to make this situation a lot better. Let's see what we could do on to work on it to make it a bit better together. And if they can't, then you get to choose whether or not you continue to have them in your life. Yeah, it's about choices. You know, obviously Kath and I, and we talked about it, I think, on the initial, initial podcast, that we are solution-bound 
Um, so I think that, you know, I'm not too sure if this is technically right, but you get sort of personality types and you will get people that are more sort of predisposed to creating the drama because they may have learned it from their mother, their father, their auntie, their uncle, their environment. Um, but then you'll get people that may well be brought up in that same environment that are still solution-bound. So I think it's some of it is environmental, some of it is... Um, it's a nature fact, versus yeah. nurture, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It is so, you know, and, you know, it's interesting how we often look at the drama queens and we're associated with teenage girls because they do it so well. Mm. <laughs> you know, oh, look, he looked at her. How dare he look at her? He doesn't love me anymore. Yes, yes. <laughs> so I've been listening to a, um, a, a podcast, actually, on um, Audible about hysteria mm. and the history of hysteria and how it spreads. And it does often spread through girls, especially teenage girls. It's a disease. It's a disease. And I'm listening to a podcast at the moment because it does, it will spread through other people. And this is the big thing about social media. People get on a crime page, a local crime page. Like I know there's a crime page out um, or Facebook page out there where we are. And people go, oh, there's so much crime in this area. There's actually no more crime. There's probably even less crime than there used to be. It's just that now it's actually visible to you because every time someone gets their car broken into, someone looks over their side fence, they pick up something a bit suspect on CCTV ca cameras, which didn't exist before, but now mm -hmm. you can go back and look at what's happened during the day and find things that would have gone on that you weren't aware of before. They put it up for everybody else to see. So if there's 50,000 or 100,000 people on that page, and 10% of those see it, so there's five or 10,000 people say, oh, someone's had their car broken into again, whereas that, those break-ins have always happened. It's just that they're there, and then it becomes everyone weighing on their opinion. There's and a reason it's called mass hysteria. Mass hysteria. Because it starts and then it builds and builds and builds. And then, yep, and, and that's, that's yeah. exactly what these podcasts talk about, and that's what happens with crime. Yeah. So pe then people put in their opinion, oh, they should all be shot. Anyone that does this should be shot. And then somebody, oh, I'd do this to them and I'd do this to them. And then it creates this raised angst. And then the person that's commenting there is buying into the drama where in actual fact, I mean, my, my car got broken into um, only just at the end of the financial year, the end of June. I didn't put anything about it on Facebook. Nobody would have known about it other than the police and obviously my partner. But my partner is a drama queen. So I knew he, about it, he, and I'm not a partner. You knew, yes, that was, yes. Um, my friend, my close friends knew because I was quite upset about it and the people I worked for because obviously I had to report that I'd lost some files and so on. Um, but he put on Facebook, oh, this and it went on about how terrible it was that my car had been broken into. And, next, and I didn't oh, know I didn't that he'd know done that. that. Oh, because yeah. he, didn't, he didn't tag me in the post. Ah. Next thing you know, I'm getting text messages and Facebook messages, people saying, Oh, you poor thing, if you need anything. I mean, what are they talking about? And then I realised that he put this Facebook post up and there is like, if you go scroll down his timeline and have a look at it, he's got probably 60 or 80 comments on this post about something that happened to me. It didn't say we are a couple. It didn't happen to him, but he took it on and put it out there for, and then everybody else got onto this whole, oh, I've just, it just created this hysteria. Actually, it, just, it does. You know, I many years ago, probably about, oh, Probably, I don't know, maybe 12 years ago I had my car stolen and I can remember walking out the front door and going, and, you know, you go into a bit of this, like, I 
Where's hang the on, car? Wait, hang on, where did I put the car? Did I park it here? And, and I actually walked down the driveway. Like, obviously, the car had got up and gone for a bit of a drive. So I went <laughs> looking for it. And I came back and I went, oh, that feels a bit weirdo. And, you know, I had people that knew me going, oh, you know, because they knew that I was a single mum living by myself at that time. And, you know, people going, oh, and they, they were creating drama for me. Yes. And I sat I sat there and I can remember saying it, this was all those years ago, and I said, you know, it's a, it's a non-personal crime. They weren't targeting me. It wasn't about me. It was just mm. someone that wanted a car to go off and joyriding. Yeah. It had nothing to do with me. Mm. So I kept squashing it. But if I had fought into it, I could have gone, oh, my God, I'm a single mum. You know, this is going to happen. And then it builds Why have they the done drama. this to me? To me. You know, and yeah. I did this. They didn't do it to I mean, it was incredibly inconvenient, the things yes. I had stolen out of the car. And I was aggravated by it, don't get me wrong. It wasn't like I was in there mm. going, oh, well, whatever, it goes off. And I just thought the amount of work that I'd put into what was taken out of that car, and it's something that would mean absolutely nothing to anyone other than me. So it was my work value. But do I think that they sat there in the bushes and went, we're going to get her and get in and do yeah. no, Well, it wasn't personal. They they were looking for stuff yeah. that they and could. You see so many people build that. It's the same. Mm. Like it was incredibly inconvenient. You know, I was a single mum. I didn't have a public transport around me, yeah. you know, and it was, it was just so inconvenient. I knew it wasn't about me, but it was like, yeah, I wasn't happy, but I wasn't, you know, in catastrophization which is where a lot of people go about here. Let's yeah. do, I know another area. Yeah. Yes, another area. Brides, weddings. Oh, oh, my God. Everything. If this is this is my day, this is the biggest day of my life. If this doesn't go 100% the way that I want it to, this, my life is over. My marriage is not going to work. It's, and I, I deal with a number of brides and you see, <laughs> oh, I get, oh, I get brides, um, Matron of honours, maid of honours, coming right. at me with. They've got the the word for it. They've even now got the word, the bridezillas. Bridezillas, yeah. And then that sometimes I've found that it's not always the brides. It seems no. to be the wedding party and the and the mother and the mother in law. And they're, they're going. I get people on the phone to me leading up to hen's nights bookings, and they'll say to me, uh, "We need everything to be perfect. She needs this. We don't want this to happen. We don't." And they they're so controlling around this, and and you think, well, unfortunately, like. When it comes to weddings and things, there'll be weather events. People are going to get sick. Something might happen. You might not be able to get the perfect fish available on the you've day. Got, you've got you fat and can't fit into the dress. Yes, that's right. <laughs> you fall pregnant before the wedding and then you can't fit into the dress. All sorts of things happen. But at the end of the day, if you, you break it down, a it's wedding a is one day out of your life, one day out of a marriage that, that could last 50, 60, 70 years if you're very lucky and you both live long enough and everything turns out fine. But they're pinning everything on that one day and then create all this drama leading up to it. And then a lot of them get there and go, and I'm so glad it's over. You shouldn't do that. And it does, I obviously have no idea when people are going to listen to this podcast. But right at the moment, we're, when we're recording this, we're leading into, into Christmas and, and the, drama. the drama with the family and all the rest. So what we're, what we're actually pointing out is you know, how to spot a drama queen or how to spot a drama scenario or personality or whatever. 
In fact, we I think that we've done a fair... I mean, we could go on and on and I on. I have gone about the death of my dog, how yeah. people catastrophise yeah. the death of my puppy, yeah. yeah. Yeah, or, you know, the ones that work, you know, where it's all, you know, in every aspect. And so as therapists, we, you know, I know that I have, and I'm pretty sure Kath has, you know, dealt with people with the, you know, their life is ruined because the the, the wedding photos were no good. And they're still living that drama, you know, 10 years later instead of going, doesn't matter, I've got a great wedding. And this is the difference is when you start elevating yourself above those situations. So we always have choices. And And not everything's going to be in your control. Hmm. That's the thing. The reality is that the world is a big place, lots of things go on, you can't control everything. Yeah, and within that, it's adaptation and a mindset on going, okay, guess what? The the photographer was terrible. I actually haven't got any shots of my day. But I've got 10 years of marriage, which has been fantastic, and I've got lots of photos of that. I've got, you know, 300 kids. I've got da-da-da-da. So it depends on how you want to see and adapt your world. So we have free will within all of that. So when you sit back and you look at, creating the solution if you're going back into or the people around you are constantly wanting to drag you back into drama and you're finding solutions all the time you know then it's not you because you're you're always looking for the solution mind you that can create its own drama because you become um, sometimes codependent in those relationships too Um, but you know you sit back and go, so how do I drag yourself out of it? Okay, basically, you become solution-bound. Mm-hmm. become positive. You become a big one I've been doing. I don't know. I find that I actually have pods of this when I'm working with people. I've been asking people to do gratitude diaries, mm-hmm. like just three or four things at night when they go to bed. Just behind, behind, beside them, I'll say, just think about two or three things today that you are grateful for. It could be that you got out of bed and your ankle didn't hurt and you're grateful for that or, wow, it's raining today. I'm really grateful it's raining. You know, those sort of things. So it creates, and I like people to do usually in the morning when they wake up but also when they go to bed and it takes maybe five minutes. It starts creating a different energy. So... You know, that's one of the things that I do to help people see, move, shift, mm-hmm. make choices, become responsible, and responsibility is freedom. And creating boundaries as well. If you Absolutely. know, be prepared. So if you know that you're, uh, say we're leading into Christmas, so if you know that um, that you're going to you're going to your family Christmas, you know that there's likely to be issues, you know that there's likely to be drama, you don't want to be involved in it, set yourself a boundary or a time limit and mm-hmm. say, I'm going to do this, but I'm going to go for two hours, three hours, one hour, whatever it is that you're comfortable with, or I will stay in that environment until this particular thing happens. And it's not that you look to trigger it off, yeah. but if you're going about your business and you're, you're there for the right intentions and something happens that triggers you and you say, no, I don't want to be a part of this anymore, it's okay to stand up and walk away. Absolutely. It's called choice not being part of the drama adding to the drama or facilitating yeah. the drama as well 
But um, and and you know, and even by removing yourself from it, can create more. But that's great. That's left behind. Yeah, because they're they're going, oh, do you see them like, Jesus, that's right. But that's their stuff. But that's their stuff. stuff. But then if you do it, and and this is what I say, if you, like, I've been through this with um, my family. I had a particular family member that didn't handle an occurrence in our family very well, and his answer to that was to send out emails to people, to everyone in the family, just constantly would send out attack emails, and he was looking for responses and looking for energy and looking for drama and and so my answer to everyone in the family was simply don't reply to the emails. And they're saying, but he, he will think we don't care. And I said, well, whether he thinks that you care or not is not the, what we want to do is stop it happening. We'll stop giving it energy, stop creating the drama. And it didn't take long. Okay. It didn't, and he doesn't and, do and it now. One of our favourite clients that we jointly share has had just recently we did um, a bit of a joint session over the phone. With yes. You. And both Kath and I were sitting there going, give it no energy. Yeah. Give it no energy. Give it no energy. Think if it's a if it's a um a fire, if you don't put any logs on that fire, it will eventually burn out. But if you keep squirting some type of accelerant and throwing a couple of logs on there and it just it will continue to build and build and build. So that's what we did with the emails. Don't reply to them. I just, I basically, I got very forceful with everyone in the family. I'm forbidding you to reply to these emails. And guess what? They stopped. It only took about, from memory, I reckon about by the third email mm-hmm. that it just it just disappeared altogether. And, and it's been years and years and years since we've had that I, repeat. Yeah. It's fine. It's gone. The drama's gone. And, do you know, one of the things that, um, and Kath will have heard me talk about this, I had, uh, quite a tumultuous relationship with my father, who's now dead. And, you know, in my early years, I actually went off and saw, saw a therapist to try and, you know, walk out, work out some of those things. And um, she sort of said, well, you know, when you stay there, you're part of that problem. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you're being verbally attacked in a drama situation or whatever, you've actually got a responsibility within that to walk away from it and walk away with it from no judgment or energy. And so I started doing that. Now, to change your relationship with your father is a major thing. So I actually, all I needed to do was concentrate when I saw some of those behaviours that made me feel uncomfortable or made me respond or react. I had a responsibility. So within that, all I did was I... As I said to Kath, often I'd have to wash my hair a lot, you know, so it'd start coming up and I'd, I'd just find excuses to go. I didn't make anyone wrong. I allowed them to be in their own space. That's where they, I, but I didn't need to be a part of it. So I learned the walk away without any energy and without judgment because people read energy and they read body language so if you can walk away from a lot of those things without judgment or energy, you're not giving their drama any more energy and you're not judging them for being in their drama. You're just so, leaving them to deal with the drama and you're moving your energy away. Yeah. So that's, that's another solution-bound thing to do. You know? mm-hmm. So, you know, there's, there's lots of things, but it's recognising it to start off with. And it happens all over the place in shopping centres. Our parks. Oh, drive, driving. Yes, yes, all of those yeah. things. And 
it's just it's how you view things as well. And the gratitude diary is interesting because as, as I've touched on before, I had I lost my um, twelve and a half year old Staffy, who'd been a a constant companion to me. He passed away from an aggressive tumor very quickly, five days from diagnosis to death. And I'm, don't get me wrong, I was heartbroken when he left because I, he was my, as I said, my constant companion. But I found that people, when I, I wrote about his death, I did put a post on Facebook and it was all about celebrating his life. And I said, if I had not adopted him, we would never have had this wonderful 12 years. And yes, it was a horrible way that he died. However, that was one moment in time. Everything prior to that was the things that I, I chose to focus on. But it was the Facebook posts where people were like yeah. sad faces and crying and how will you go on without him? And I'm saying, well, you know, I, that's not how I feel. I feel like I was blessed to have him. Yeah. And I'm, I have a huge amount of gratitude towards ever having him because if I'd never had him, I would never have wanted another dog or understood the love of a dog and, and all of those things. But I still get sad and I still miss him. But I don't wallow in that. I, I then turn it around to what am I grateful for? And that is the vitamin that I had him there to continually say, Sid, get off that. Sid, what are you doing? Sid, what are you eating? If I, I wouldn't have filled my days with those words if, um, if it hadn't have been for that. But And he was a great dog, but I'm not going to cry all day every day because he's not here and I'm not going to get on Facebook going, I'm so sad I can't get on with my life because my dog's not here. Yeah. I get on with my life despite the fact that the dog's not here, but I remember his, his existence. Absolutely. And it's it's the gratitude that you move forward mm. with, not the lack of and not the drama of creating the mm. drama around that. You don't need to. You just get the good bits. I don't need any more attention. I get, <laughs> I am a constant hotline for people, help me, help me, help me. So I, I have no no lack of attention, but, um, but I don't. And that's the attention-seeking that comes. A lot of people create drama to do attention-seeking, get attention-seeking or participate yeah. in that. Yeah, absolutely. And then that's that's another area altogether you have to address why you constantly need attention, what is lacking that you feel that you need that. Yeah. And even with, you know, talking about, you know, because we started off and surprisingly, Kat, we're still talking on the same subject. I'm very impressed <laughs> that we've done this. Um, but, you know, there's so many um, other things that are attached to attention-seeking, drama-making and all the rest, which would li li literally lead into, you know, a thousand different conversations. But, you know, what we're sort of, I know that, you know, one of the things that we're sort of hoping is to give you an idea and maybe a little insight of having a look at perhaps potentially some of your own behaviour, mm. um, you know, working solutions to, to move out of it. And you know, saying, catching it early, catching, catching it, it early, all yeah. of that sort of stuff. You know, look, we're all we're, we can all be guilty of, of doing the drama and, and then just sort of catching it, going, "Oops, I was actually putting a bit of fuel in that fire. I need to." I uh, squirted set a bit there. of kerosene there and yeah. made those flames do a bit of a foof. But you know what? They'll die down. Let them die. Yeah. So I'm sort of hopefully this has given you a little bit of an insight of maybe doing a bit of self recognition, a bit of recognition around you. And potentially giving you some solutions on how to move away from it and potentially the damage and then the repair that can happen from those behaviours. And, of course, there's probably a lot of people that create their drama that are listening to this going, oh, that's not me, that's somebody else I know, it's not me. Yeah, <laughs> We've all done that. it. Yeah, We've we all, all done it. it. It's just that with, 
from sitting in the position that Sandy and I are in and, and others out there that are, are trained in this field, that you start to do a lot of introspection. You start to look at your own behaviours, actions and reactions. It's all about those yeah. things. So um, how are your actions? What sort of reaction are you hoping to get from that action and what sort of reaction did you get from somebody else from those actions and so on? So yeah. think about it. But anything else you'd like to add, Sandy? I think that that's given it a nice broad overview. Well-rounded, well-rounded <laughs> conversation, I think. Yeah. So don't forget to hop over to the Facebook page where we can create heaps of drama over there <laughs> on um, Mind Matters with Sandy and Kathleen or Skyview Hypnotherapy or, um, what's the name of my business, Mental Health and Beyond. <laughs> we do all sorts of exciting things uh, and we'd love some feedback and also suggested future topics for, for other podcasts. But um, we hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Bye.